Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week, we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and our guest today is Kristen Padilla. Kristen serves as director of the Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities and is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Educational Psychology in the School of Education. The Baylor University Center for Developmental Disabilities concentrates on addressing the complex issues of autism and other developmental conditions through its cooperative research, educational, and service programs. The center is a collaborative partnership with Baylor University and Baylor Scott & White McLean's Children's, which is a part of the Baylor Scott & White Healthcare System. Dr. Padilla is a licensed specialist in school psychology and a board-certified behavior analyst. In addition to teaching, she supervises graduate students within the BCDD and works to enhance student training experience and research by building interdisciplinary partnerships within and outside the university. A lot of great work. I know a lot of families in the uh, community know about you, but maybe a lot of other people don't. So excited we can share that today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm really excited to share more about our center, and thank you for having me today. Well, great to visit. And uh, let's start off with uh, with something that's coming right up off the bat here. I know many families probably have plans for summer camps in the weeks ahead, and you do as well, um, because uh, you all have something uh, fun and meaningful upcoming uh, within the uh, Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities. BCDD, is that? do you, do you use yes. that shorthand? Yes. Okay. We'll use that as well. But uh, you have Autism Summer Camp uh, upcoming. Uh, What is that? What are you looking forward to about that? Well, the first thing I'm looking forward to is that we can actually have it this year. You know, Mm -hmm. due to COVID, uh, many of our services had to go to telehealth and some came to a quick halt uh, because of the specific needs uh, for clients. So it'll be great to see kids coming back uh, this year um, for the event and having a good time for the summer. You know, it provides a really unique opportunity for our graduate students that are training to be school psychologists uh, to work with individuals with autism in a different type of setting other than the clinic setting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would imagine, and I've seen it, that it brings a lot of joy to parents and puts their worries at ease and gives them comfort in knowing that, number one, uh, that we have trained graduate students and trained faculty to address the specific needs of this population. Um, The camp is being led by Dr. Kelsey Reagan, who oversees the Baylor Autism Resource Clinic, which is a component of the BCDD. And uh, that their children get to experience camp just like all the other kids in the community. So uh, it's a really great, you know, service that we're providing. Uh, It's very rewarding, lots of fun. There's a lot of work and preparation that goes into the camp uh, just so that we are well aware of the specific needs for each of the participants uh, in case any challenges arise. So, um, that's great. Well, it runs May 30th through June 3rd this mm-hmm. year. If we were to uh, if we were to visit or take a look and see what was going on, what are some of the things we might see taking place? Well, it's changed uh, over the over the last couple of years, and that's just based on the specific needs of you know the client, um, things going on in the community. So each day we do something different because just like any other kid, sometimes things can get a little boring mm-hmm. to know. So we have to try to spice it up, keep it quick, and keep them moving. Mm-hmm. So each day they do something different. Um, Um, So this year they're going to the Mayborn Museum, Cameron Park Zoo, the Union Underground here at Baylor to do some bowling and other games. Uh, They'll also have a water day. So we'll have some big water slides here right next to Fountain Mall um, for them to have some fun. Uh, And then they'll do one day at the center as well to, you know, do some activities there. 
That's great. So a lot of different activities, yes. uh, and that's, uh, that is upcoming. Well, as we visit with Dr. Kristen Padilla, let, let, let's zoom out a little bit because we have faculty doing work within this uh, space of uh, autism spectrum disorder and developmental disabilities within the School of Ed, where you are. I know we've had professors in uh, neuroscience and psychology, uh, even engineering working on this, and um, a lot of focused attention uh, onto, uh, into autism spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've been around here a while. You earned your uh, EDS at Baylor in 2010, uh, your PhD in 2020. And in the middle of that, in 2013, the Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities was, was formed. How have you seen the services for families with autism and Baylor's focus on uh, ASD grow in that time? It has really grown tremendously, and it has been quite a blessing to be able to witness that firsthand. Uh, actually, when the Baylor Autism Resource Clinic was first founded in 2008 by Dr. Julie Ivey, that really was the foundation and what set the launch for the development of the Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities and all of its affiliate programs, clinics, and grants. And I was actually a graduate student mm-hmm. <laughs> with the first social skills group uh, that occurred um, at the time. And I came back uh, to Baylor in 2012 to coordinate the BARC at the time and provide clinical supervision and training for our students, uh, providing services to individuals in the community. And at that time, we had social skills groups, autism camp, and um, small and individual group therapy. And that was it. But since then, we've had um, a substantial increase in the number of faculty uh, within the School of Education, particularly in educational psychology, along with um, a growing number of graduate students in our program. So because our services are facilitated by students, um, you know, obtaining their clinical training for their respective fields, that has allowed the number of services to grow. And so now we're offering uh, psychological assessment. We're offering parent and teacher education training. We've provided training for law enforcement, healthcare staff, and even other units here at Baylor University who work with young adults with disabilities. So um, in the past, we've also had sibling support group, parent support group, and due to that increase across the center, um, that has been that has allowed us to uh, increase the number of services. The other thing we've been blessed with is space. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, space is a hot commodity here on campus, and we started in a pretty tiny space when we first started in Draper Academic Building. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Mars McLean Science, and that shrunk a little bit. And through the partnership with Baylor Scott and White McLean Children's, we were able to secure a space within the community that is more accessible to um, parents and others in the community. Parking is great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love going to the center for that reason. Um, It's within a healthcare facility. And so uh, we now have a lobby and a reception area and faculty and student workspaces, as well as small and large rooms for classes, for trainings, for assessment and other intervention services. Curious, uh, you personally, how did you become interested in in pursuing this path and uh, serving families with developmental disabilities? 
Uh, that's a really great question. You know, I am a first-generation college student. I came from a low-income community right here in Waco, Texas. I am a University High graduate yeah. um, many, many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I graduated in psychology and sociology. And so I've always had a heart for the underserved, the vulnerable population. And when I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, I went through a series of different jobs after um, graduating. And I became a, a preschool assistant at a school in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you always have some child that has a specific need, whether that's social, emotional, behavioral. And my last year at the school, uh, there was one child that I couldn't figure out. I didn't know how to best support him. And he was having meltdowns and tantrums and engaging in severely challenging behaviors, aggression, and what we call property destruction. You know, let's destroy the mm -hmm. home center for Miss Kristen. <laughs> and so um, I was, you know, kind of puzzled by this. And I was getting kind of these strategies from our director and other staff at the time. And, you know, they weren't working. And so I knew I wanted to do something in education and something in psychology, and that's how I found school psychology. And it led me here to Baylor, um, back home, uh, <laughs> to learn more about how to best support individuals with any individualized need. You know, they may not have a diagnosed disability, they may not have autism, they may have another type of disability, and trying to, one, conduct the assessment that determines what is their need, and then what types of interventions am I going to provide that individual so that way they're successful in school? Talking with Kristen Padilla, director of the Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities. So we know what brought you here. And now we, uh, we've we heard a little bit about the Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities. You know, you mentioned aspects of it like the BARC, the Baylor Autism uh, Resource Clinic. But give us kind of a, uh, a verbal a tour of what the uh, BCDD is, how it's set up, and and if we started looking around what we would see. So the BCDD is is more like of an, an umbrella organization, and mm -hmm. usually when I talk about the center, I have this whiteboard and I start drawing about okay, you yeah. know all of the affiliate programs. Um, so as you mentioned, yes, the BCDD has multiple clinics and programs within the center that are led by faculty primarily within educational psychology in the School of Education. And each clinic was, you know, designed to meet a specific need for particular programs. For instance, the BARC was set up to provide clinical training for future school psychologists um, revolved around a specific population and that being autism spectrum disorder. Since then, it has grown to expand their clinical training, uh, especially now we have a PhD in school psychology now. And so they're providing, you know, extensive, you know, therapy services, assessment services, and kind of identifying where, you know, programmatically where school psychology will be going within, you know, educational psychology. But how are we going to enhance those clinical training opportunities for graduate students so that way they're, you know, excellent clinicians and researchers. You know, the Clinic for Assessment, Research, and Education, that is directed by Dr. Jessica Akers, uh, who specializes in applied behavior analysis. And that clinic was designed to provide a clinical training ground for master's level students um, obtaining their certification in behavior analysis. So mm -hmm. they're providing individual and small group therapy to, you know, any age group really <laughs> within the community to work on communication, social skills, adaptive transition. But there is also a challenging behavior clinic that is led by her and Dr. Tanya Davis um, to identify, you know, reasons, 
you know, individuals are engaging in challenging behavior and how we can provide interventions to teach appropriate replacement behaviors and reduce challenging behaviors. And uh, we have multiple affiliate grants um, within the center that address, you know, different needs. What we're doing is conducting, you know, innovative, groundbreaking research through our faculty, master's, and doctoral level students. But in turn, that provides clinical training experiences for our graduate and undergraduate students that come for a specific program or even just to volunteer to, you know, enhance their experiences to apply for graduate schools uh, specific for this population. But in turn, it provides a great community service. You know, you, you mentioned the research aspect, you know, Baylor's now an R1 research university and uh, mentioned that we have professors doing research in this space. Now, I know you mentioned Tanya Davis and I know she and others. I know I've talked to Stephanie Giroux and others in the past. We got some professors doing some pretty fantastic research that's what receiving some really significant funding. So as I guess as you talk about the, these faculty working with people in the community and with students, it's worth noting that we've got people who are really advancing this discipline in some dramatic ways. Absolutely. You know, when I first got here, you know, Dr. Tanya Davis and Dr. Julie Ivey were just really volunteering outside of their work time to start this, you know, um, this clinic that, you know, launched into a center and they weren't receiving, you know, any extra time, any extra pay. It's, it was something they had in their heart and a passion to, you know, build programs, build research. And uh, since then, you know, we have now over six affiliate faculty, you know, with the center when we started out with just two, um, if not more uh, right now. We have increased the number of partnership grants. You know, we have grants with individuals across the university, but we even have grants that we're partnering with with other universities. Right now, I'm the principal investigator for um, the ACT-LEND grant that is a partnership with the University of Texas at Austin and Texas State University. And through that grant, we're providing interdisciplinary graduate student training for students and professionals in the area of autism spectrum disorder. And so they take a you know, a course over the over the, the academic year that's taught by 12 faculty across the universities from various disciplines such as special education, law, speech pathology, and they're learning from all of these different professors and how their research and practice um, is supporting individuals with autism and their families. And so, yes, <laughs> we have... Um, have grown, or we have had a significant number of research opportunities and publications through the faculty that are affiliated with the center that, you know, is providing such a great service to uh, our community. And so what's we what's unique about our center is that while we're training our students at the master's level that are going to go be clinicians right out of the gate, you know, uh, we have access to potential participants for our research studies. And so some of our clients are in multiple clinics, you know, throughout the center. Uh, some of them are in multiple research projects going on that helps, you know, us learn and better understand, you know, the individualized needs of these clients and individuals with ASD and their families and how we can develop interventions to best support them. And in turn, we are, you know, using research to inform the clinical training experiences that we're providing at the center for our students, um, you know, in session. Mm -hmm. And so research is a huge and integral part of what we do at the center, whether it's conducting or applying mm -hmm. that research. 
What you know, some research is uh, you have to wait a long time to see the people it might impact. You all get to see them every day. What what does it mean to you all to be able to do that and to have a uh, there's really a strong community, obviously, as you've just painted that picture, a strong community component to that. Um, Getting to see that every day, whether it's just in the clinical training session or the outcome of the research, um, it is absolutely rewarding. And those days of hard work, those hours that we're putting in, the tears that we've been through with parents and especially the clients, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time uh, to see them be successful that their parents see them be successful and that they themselves are like, I can do this now. I mean, it is absolutely amazing to be able to witness that every day, to be the person that hears their first word when they're six years old, you know, in session. Of course, we may not always tell the parent that because we want them to hear the first Mm -hmm. word. Um, But it is a a joy and a rewarding experience, Um, even with those small little steps of success, we know that, hey, we got over this huge milestone. Mm -hmm. And now that we're there, those skills are just going to keep coming. You know, you you, you think about the need here. Probably everyone either has someone in the family or knows someone um, who uh, faces uh, ASD or other developmental uh, disorders. You know, the numbers are pretty pretty staggering. Uh, The CDC estimates that uh, one in 44 uh, children are born uh, with some uh, form of uh, with some form of uh, ASDD metrics. What are some, every family is is different, but what is the need out there? Because I know families can feel like they're grasping at straws a little bit oh, when they yes. find out. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that um, we do at the center is when a family calls, it's because they think their child has autism or they got a recent diagnosis and they don't know where to go next. And so we provide that consultation for them. And one of the biggest things that I've had to do since I've been here is describing, okay, what happens in the education system versus the medical system and how those sometimes work together and how sometimes they don't, or they don't align necessarily because the diagnoses may be different in those settings. And so working with families to help them better understand how to seek and access services and to advocate for them and really empower them to say like, you are the person that knows your child the best. And we're gonna help you figure out the next step, whether that's through the school system, through a developmental behavioral pediatrician and walk alongside them because it is a scary process. And even though some parents know their child has the diagnosis when they first hear it, it can be very, mixed emotions, heartbreaking all at the same time. So just walking through that with them and helping them understand that one, it's going to be okay. And we're going to figure out how to best meet the needs of your child. So that that being through assessment, that being through advocacy uh, and support, um, helping them understand their sense of agency in the decision making is is critical for that. But I would say the biggest thing is How do we figure out supports in the school, supports in the home, and supports in the community? This is a broad question, but for families who maybe just received a diagnosis or think their child might, um, you know, might be on the spectrum in some form or fashion, what what advice do you have? Because I know there's a lot of information out there that, you know, maybe well-intentioned sometimes isn't always the best. I know that can be challenging for families to navigate. Yes, it is pretty challenging. And I think you know, a lot of families will seek out 
you know, things they find on Google, you Mm -hmm. know, or the internet for sure. Uh, But looking for those um, initial resources within the community. And what I've encouraged families to do that aren't here in Waco, Texas, I will tell them, go look at this specific department at this university that is closest to you. Because a lot of times they're doing things like we're doing and they're closer to you. So looking at those specific, you know, resources, looking at community organizations that are set up for support for families. So here we have the Heart of Texas, you know, Autism Network. You know, that was launched years ago and provides a great initial start for families. Um, Of course, seeking out our center and, you know, helping, uh, letting us, you know, guide them on, you know, maybe you should try this or that, you know, if it's something that our center is not providing or can't provide because it's not our area of expertise. There's also lots of community events, you know, throughout. And I think Waco right now is doing such an excellent job of publicizing all of the wonderful things that are going on in our community. And so looking for those opportunities, such as the autism walk run that happens, join the pride. Um, Trying to think of other ones. but, um, But anyway, there are lots of events in the community that have resource fairs. So you're able to walk around those tables and find out, okay, these, this number of organizations are providing speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, um, or other types of assessment and intervention services. And so I would highly encourage parents to seek someone out in the special education department of, you know, their children, their child's school, Uh, talk with their doctor, you know, within the first two years of life, that child is seeing a doctor, you know, hopefully maybe, you know, up to 13 times sometimes just to check on them. And the doctor should be giving um, developmental screeners to so because we want to catch them early, we want to say, what are the signs if they're not talking by a certain age, or if they don't have a certain number of words, by a certain age, they're not making eye contact, talk with your doctor about those concerns, and then find someone else in the community to, you know, work through those concerns so we can help identify the best next steps for you. Well, I know you work with a lot of great families. Now, they have a, a lot of hard work that they're doing as they, uh, as they support their child. If, as we wind down, if, uh, if someone hears something on this and they'd like to get involved uh, or, or, or learn more about the uh, opportunities and resources here at Baylor, what's the best way for them to make that initial contact? Uh, they can go to our website. You know, um, It's www.baylor.edu slash bcdd, and that has all of our contact information on there, all of the services we provide, the affiliate faculty within our center, how to contact us, um, and just set up an appointment. We're happy to talk with you just to answer some initial questions and figure out how to best support you um, and your child or someone that you're caring for that has you know, a disability. So baylor.edu slash bcdd, easy to easy to remember. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thanks for uh, the work that you and your colleagues are doing, and hope it's a a really fun summer camp and a great start to the summer for y'all. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Dr. Kristen Padilla, Director of the Baylor Center for Developmental Disabilities and Clinical Assistant Professor in the Department of Educational Psychology, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online, baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.